0: Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to read the Palm Sunday story. Matthew 21, beginning in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, And mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd. And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out entered the temple and drove out all those who sold and bought in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers, and the seats of those who sold pigeons, and he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer but you have made it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to Him in the temple and He healed them. But when the priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that He did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. And they said to Him, To Jesus. Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. I have a Simple and, and straightforward question for, for all of you today, no matter where you are. What is it that you expect from Jesus? What is it that you expect from Jesus today? What is it that you expect from Jesus this week, the rest of your lives You see, it's not an exaggeration to say this is the most important week of the most important person who ever lived. It's the most important week in history of the most important person who ever lived. It's Holy Week. Now, you'll have, as you've already heard, many opportunities to come and sing and worship and pray and read the Scriptures this week. On Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday... What are your expectations? Only you can answer that. You may be here this morning full of anticipation and excitement. This is a time of year you always look forward to because we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You may know, you've heard the story, maybe forever grew up with it. You're full of, maybe you have some, some family traditions, There's a lot of excitement and anticipation. You're ready to go. It's wonderful. Maybe on the other hand, you're discouraged. You know, there was a time in my life, you may be saying, I had great expectations, but I've been battered by life. And I'm just discouraged. Maybe you're angry. I've come time and time again. I don't know where God is. Maybe you're apathetic. Maybe you've never given it a thought. Maybe when you you, you come to church on Sundays and, and then you go to live between Sundays and God, Jesus Christ, doesn't play much of a role in your life between Sundays. Maybe you long for God's healing hand of comfort and assurance and blessing. Maybe you just don't know what to expect. So you've noticed we're going to look again. We're going to look again at an old story. We're going to look again this week at an old true story that will change your life if it hasn't already And if it has already, it can change it even more. You see, when Jesus rides into town on Palm Sunday, this well-known story that we have read, when Jesus rides into town on Palm Sunday, Jesus rides into a perfect storm of expectations. All kinds of expectations from thousands of people. It's a perfect storm. One New Testament scholar puts it this way, the story of Jesus' grand entry into Jerusalem is an object lesson in the mismatch between our expectations and God's answer. The hosannas are justified, but not for the reasons that the crowd had supposed. You see, the bad news is that the crowds are going to be disappointed. The good news is that Jesus' arrival into the great city is the moment of the arrival of salvation. Is the moment of the arrival of salvation. There's one thing all the crowds, these thousands of people can agree on. Jesus is riding into town with all the pageantry of a king. He's presenting himself as a king and they recognize that. Behold, your king is coming. Hosanna to the son of David. All the trappings of royalty surround Jesus as he comes into Jerusalem. Now think about that just for a moment, parenthetically. We're Americans. 21st century Americans, when is the last time you've been in the presence of a king? Have you ever been in the presence of a king? We're Americans. We don't do kings. We had one for a very short time, a long time ago. It didn't work out very well. His name was George. George. We don't do kings. We don't have royal insignia on our buildings. We don't have royal mail. We don't have the royal air force. We don't have realms and empires. We're kind of boring. We have states and municipalities. We don't do royal. And yet, we do. Maybe I'll, no no show of hands. How many of you have watched a royal wedding? I admit it. I like to watch royal weddings. I'll explain later. Don't have time. Royal weddings, royal funerals. We like movies called The Empire Strikes Back. We like movies and books called The Return of the King. And Prince Caspian. We are drawn to royalty. We love it. The crown. The king's speech. We could go on and on. If we don't do that, we take our celebrities and our athletes and we make them royalty. Why? Because every single one of us is made to worship a king. Every single person who has ever been born, who has ever walked this earth, has, is made to worship a king. We're made that way. By our king. By our creator. And the Bible makes it very clear what kind of king this is, and this king is not like any other king. Not like any other king we are tempted either to um, make in our own image or see on television or even be in the presence of when we go and visit the UK. Now, what kind of king is this? that we have celebrated with our singing and our praying and our palm branches? Well, number one, first, for those of you who like outlines, you know who you are. Number one, there are some that are longing in Jerusalem for a national, political, warrior king. You see, this entrance into Jerusalem is taking place at the time of a great festival. There are thousands of people that are in Jerusalem that have come into Jerusalem from all over the Mediterranean to celebrate the festival of Passover. It's Jewish Independence Day, and we are celebrating. We're remembering the Exodus. And they're coming in by the thousands, and they're singing, and they're drinking, and they're dancing, and they're remembering And the high point of this festival is the sacrifice of a lamb, remembering the blood over the doorposts that protected them from the judgment of God and helped them to walk free out of Egypt. And they remember year after year after year, but there's a problem, a big problem. That big problem is called Romans occupiers look you go up to a person on the street in Jerusalem in this day and time and ask this person who happens to be a roman who's the son of god and they're going to say they're going to immediately know the answer caesar caesar caesar's divide Caesar gives us power, gives us hope, gives us peace. Caesar is the answer. And all these people that are looking forward to Jesus coming in and getting rid of the Romans are going to give up on Jesus by the end of the week. He doesn't meet their expectations. And at the end of the week, there's a cost for following Jesus. At the end of the week, it's not safe to follow Jesus. At the end of the week, they scatter. There was a look again moment back in the 1970s when Jesus made a big splash on the public scene. Uh, some of you may remember that, that great and profound and life-changing movie, Jesus Christ Superstar. Don't go to Jesus Christ Superstar to find out about Jesus or to get the Bible straight or to get your theology straight, but there's one scene in there that's perfect. As Jesus is coming into town and His disciples are with Him and they're singing and they're looking at Him and they're following, they're saying, you're going to get the power, you're going to get the glory forever and ever and ever. We are going to conquer in you and through you. And Jesus turns on His heel and looks at them and says this, Neither you, nor the 50,000, nor the Romans, nor the Jews, nor Judas, nor the twelve, nor the priest, nor the scribe, nor Jerusalem, know what real power is. Nor do you understand what real glory is. The power and the glory that is coming, it's not what you expect, but it's so much greater than you expect. And you never saw it coming. Jesus is not a national or a political or a warrior king for these people in Jerusalem. Well, then there's another set of, of people that say, no, he's not, a, he's not a warrior king. He's an imposter, he's a fake, he's a pretender. He is not the king he presents himself to be. in fact, he's not a king at all. The chief priests, the scribes, they're looking at Jesus and saying, "He's got them fooled. We're the ones who know the law. We're the ones who know the scriptures. Who does Jesus think he is? In fact, Pontius Pilate, a Roman politician, would look at Jesus and say, "So you're a king, you're the king. So you're a king. You bring the truth, and then that famous little phrase that Pontius Pilate says that many people have said since, what is truth? What is truth? The soldiers, they dress Jesus up in all of those, this royal garb, and they say, hail, king of the Jews, just look at him. A king. Really? And those who are standing at the foot of the cross and look up at Jesus and say, He's claiming to save others. He can't even save Himself. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. No, He's, he's just an imposter. And then another group... That recognizes that Jesus is a not, not a, a national warrior, political king. He's not an impostor. He's something unique in history, absolutely unique in, in history. Now you may not know this, but thousands of thousands of young Jewish men died on crosses. This is nothing new. The Romans put thousands of young men who were Jewish on crosses. You know what's unique about this? The king of the world, the king of the universe, the creator king is hanging on a cross. This is a savior king, a king on a cross. A king on a cross. I have been reading through a series of of essays and and sermons uh, from someone, and for those of you who are theologians, I understand he doesn't get everything right, but he's worth reading. Um, A man who gave his life for Jesus Christ, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In 1943, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was put in prison in Berlin for taking part in an assassination plot of Hitler. 1943, Tegel Prison. He's put into prison because of his faith. And following through with his faith. And he writes this wonderful this series of letters, wonderful letters to his, his friend. And he says this, Whenever I am tempted to complain about my sufferings, I remember the sufferings of Christ for me. And he says, he goes on to, to say, You know, Palm Sunday, Matthew 21, really begins in Matthew 4. Palm Sunday really begins when Jesus, at the beginning of His public ministry, is taken by the devil to a high mountain and the devil says, you can have all these kingdoms. You can be a king and you won't have to go to the cross. They're all, it's, it's all yours if you worship Me. And of course, Jesus says no. And then here's how Bonhoeffer describes it. And Jesus knows exactly what that means. It means persecution. It means being misunderstood. It means being hated. It means death on a cross. But He chooses this way from the very outset because He loves us. He chooses this way from the very outset Because it is the way of salvation, and the way of salvation must go through the cross. A king on a cross. One of these Pharisees that at one time claimed that Jesus was an imposter was a fake is later converted. Jesus reveals himself to him. And the apostle Paul is converted. And later when when, when Paul is giving an account of his testimony in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul starts telling people, and he's almost a little sensitive and even embarrassed to start telling people about this, but he starts telling people, writing it down so we can read it even today, about this thorn in the flesh. This thorn that He has in the flesh. We don't know what it is. Many people have guessed. We're not sure. And He comes back three times. Take it away. Take it away. He goes right to Jesus in prayer. Take the thorn away. Remove this thorn. It's hard. It hurts. And if we can get a grasp on this answer, our lives will change. Jesus says... My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And here's Paul's astounding response. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How in the world? And I, 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 I'm going to pull the curtain back. I've wrestled with this passage my entire Christian life. What in the world is this? What is this? How do you do that? I don't think I've... I, 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 I'm not going to grasp it, but by faith. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. I do know this. How is Paul able to say this about his single thorn? Because Paul knows that he worships a king that wore a crown full of thorns. Paul's got one. Jesus has a whole crown. Jesus died in the place of sinners like you and me so that we can know Him and be born again and live with Him and walk with Him and have eternal life and have the love we've always wanted. We don't have to earn it. We can never lose it. And it goes on forever. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Your hope is found. And it begins on Palm Sunday. On through Holy Week and through the cross and through the conquering of of sin and death on the cross, what are your expectations this week? Do you have great expectations for Jesus? And what he will do this week, and next week, and the week after. We're going to sing in Christ alone, momentarily, after I pray. It's a song that we all know and love. We're going to sing the gospel. We're going to sing the good news. We're going to sing what changes you. And please, you know, I see some of you don't sing. Some of you don't sing. I used to be like that myself. I don't sing. Now I've learned to make a joyful noise. I can't carry a tune, but I can make a. Let's sing it when we sing. It is a life-changing message, and it gives us great expectations for what God will do this week. Let's pray, Lord. We We are thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for a king on a cross. We're thankful for a king who wears a whole crown full of thorns. We're thankful for a king who gives up his life for us in our place because we can't save ourselves. We are by nature sinners, lost But this unimaginable mercy and grace and love shown by a king that goes to a cross and dies in our place and gives us eternal life is beyond words in many ways. It's just beyond words. We'll try, particularly when we sing. And Lord, I pray for this week. I pray for the the rest of this day as the officers gather tonight. For Wednesday, for Thursday, for Friday. uh, For Friday as we come and and we look more specifically at the cross and we take the Lord's Supper. We come to the Lord's table together. And then, of course, for Easter Sunday when we see victory and we hear the message of the risen King who went to the cross. We pray all of these things in the name of, of this King this Lord, uh, this friend, this Savior, who came such a great, great, great distance for us. Jesus Christ. Amen.